0: Former FBI Assistant Director Frank Figluzzi. Join me on a journey deep inside the world's premier law enforcement agency to decode the mysteries and challenges of today's FBI. The threats facing America are as real as the men and women who battle to protect us. In this first of a kind podcast, we sit down with active duty FBI personnel who reveal their mission, their cases, And their lives. Let's go inside the Bureau with Frank Figlusi. The EAP. The Employee Assistance Program To
1: help reduce the stigma of seeking help Wrestle
0: with some of the most horrific things humans are capable of To provide
1: a ministry of presence
0: Being repeatedly exposed to that kind of thing
1: Clinicians who are licensed mental health professionals
0: Dedicated to crimes against children
1: Recognize the value of taking ownership of your own resiliency
0: Sounds like things are headed in the right direction
1: We continue to reflect on wellness as a priority
0: We've got a special topic and a special guest today on the Bureau. We all know FBI personnel wrestle with some of the most horrific things humans are capable of. They see things, they hear things, they address things that many of us would never want to see. They take care of our backs, they watch our backs, they have our well-being. But what happens when the FBI personnel Need someone to watch over their well being. Who does that? Who do they call upon? Today, we're going to be talking to Tarsha Freeman. She's the chief of a unit that runs the Employee Assistance Program, the EAP. That's who has FBI personnel well being in mind. Tarsha, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you for this opportunity. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, one of, the, one of the reasons why people tune in to this podcast is because we take everyone into corners of the FBI that don't get a whole lot of attention. This is going to be uh, a topic that many people had not probably given thought to, but it, I think the light bulb goes on when people realize what FBI personnel are exposed to every day. It makes sense that someone should be looking after their well-being. And speaking of personnel, let's talk about you. First, the question I ask every one of my guests since we're going today to talk about the human face of the FBI, the human factors involved in being an FBI employee. Let's start with you. Let's let's have you tell us about your journey into the FBI, what you might have done previously, where you're from, and how you came to be in the employee assistance program.
1: Certainly. So I actually have a bachelor's in psychology, went to school um, for psychology and counseling on a master's level, and eventually pursued a doctorate in education. The idea of coming to Bureau was not necessarily a dream, and I always am very interested in seeing how people come into the Bureau like yourself. And it just fell upon me, um, an opportunity for a job fair. I was already working in the human service field in the Department of Social Service, also working in the Veterans Affairs with PTSD ward at the time. So I've had some work prior to the Bureau in mental health. But when I came into the Bureau, I was actually pursuing my uh, master's degree. So I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor. I have had over two decades in the Bureau um, providing some level of care within the employee assistance program. Um, I worked in the unit at EAU early on in my career, um, ventured off into WFO for a period of time as the licensed clinician serving in an employee assistance counselor, I returned back to headquarters as a regional program manager for headquarters and then eventually pursued an opportunity and leadership in which led me into this current role. So that's kind of my path. I generally love people. Um, I think it's very honorable for me to have an opportunity to support my colleagues. And I take um, great privilege to those that come to us to seek support.
0: Well, uh, first, let me uh, remind our listeners, many of whom through uh, listening to this program know what our acronyms are. WFO, of course, is Washington Field Office. So, thank you. Uh, Tarsha has spent time there, and I want to ask you this: Should I be calling you Doctor Freeman?
1: Sure, that's okay. fine. <laughs> hey, thank you. Let,
0: let me let me do that because you've earned it with um, yes. with a PhD. All right, now.
1: Doctorate in education, just yeah. for a correction. Oh, sorry. I got,
0: yeah, no, I hey There's listen. A difference. Listen, it's uh it's merited. Let me Thank a, you. let me ask you to explain what the employee assistance program is. How does it work? What's its mission?
1: Sure. The employee assistance program is designed to support our employees, task force officers, and their immediate family members. Our goal is to assess the needs of the workforce be available to provide short-term counseling and services, and to really um, identify those groups that potentially may have repeated exposure or impacted by operational stressors to identify ways in which we can support them. So while people may come to the Bureau by by way of different paths, once they land here in this organization, based on the operational needs and their exposure, they potentially may receive or be exposed to additional stressors. So just making sure that we are available to provide the support to our workforce.
0: So how does that play out throughout the nation? I mean, there's 56 FBI field offices. There's actually legal attache offices around the world. Let's get into the weeds about what EAP looks like, how employees can avail themselves of, of services, what services are offered, and, and who's carrying this out?
1: That's a great perspective. Um, Throughout the enterprise, we have layers within the EAP program. We have clinicians who are licensed mental health professionals. Um, We have the great honor within this fiscal year to add additional 13 complements of those individuals, those resources. In addition to the clinicians that are licensed, we also have coordinators in each office. Um, We have teams in each office that support the coordinator that include peers and chaplains as well. The goal is that we offer a variety of resources for employees to consider. Everyone may not be interested in interacting with a clinician. You may not be interested in interacting with a peer, but at least you have options. So our program team consists of a clinician, which is an employee assistance counselor, a coordinator that kind of leads and serves as that program manager within that particular division, and then there's a group of peers and chaplains that support those local teams. Essentially, every division has a coordinator some of the larger offices or those offices that we've deemed to need additional resources are with the privilege to have an employee assistance counselor. Specifically, when you talk about the LEGAT programs or the LEGATs in general, those are not assigned to each LEGAT. However, the division, IOD, International Operations Division, they have a coordinator, and so they serve as that liaison with the unit to provide support and we work together to identify where the needs might be, work with leadership as well. I think another interesting perspective that I think is really key is how do you access us? So there are various layers. You have your local team that if you're comfortable with, you can reach out. The goal is that, you know, you have that firsthand Interaction and knowledge of those people that are in your office that you work closely with, they're peers. It's a collateral duty. But if you are choosing to seek support outside of your division, that is perfectly fine as well. The key is we're not going to limit where you get the help. The idea is that you have options, and we want to make sure people know that they have options to receive support. So If you are in your division and there's a local team and you're not quite comfortable engaging them, you can always reach out to the employee assistance unit here at headquarters in JEH. You can also reach out to one of the offices that has a licensed clinician as well. Um, The key is that we want to make sure that people just know they have options and that we want them to get the help that they need.
0: Lots of options makes a a lot of sense when it comes to uh, typically a culture that's so tough on the exterior has to be, um, you know, making that decision to reach out and get some assistance. And this peer counselor aspect is particularly intriguing in that who better to at least serve as an initial point of contact um, than someone who's experienced the same things in the, in the, in the mission, in the career, in the job. So you mentioned this is an ancillary duty for other uh, FBI employees who I guess, volunteer for this, raise their hand to help their fellow employees, uh, what what kind of uh, orientation or exposure do they get and training do they get?
1: Certainly, I begin with the selection process because the actual division has to recruit for a need for a peer. Um, once that individual or the canvas goes out and they're people that have expressed an interest, they have an opportunity to sit on a career board and they're selected. Once they are selected, Um, The actual individuals will receive training. They must receive training before they begin those duties. So they can be selected, but until they receive the training, they're not in a position to provide that care. The training consists of um, 24 hours. Um, We were doing it in person, but as a result of the pandemic, we have quickly transitioned to the virtual platform. Um, it's been a great opportunity to see how we can continue to provide support and train our peers or those that are interested in the program without having that void. And so there's 24 hours worth of training, a three-day training. They continue to have that peer model, um, which includes the regional program manager that provides oversight to those particular offices. So it's not like when they receive the training, then they are left to continue without any support. They have the regional program managers that are also in the position to provide that oversight for the program.
0: Got it. Got it. Now, Dr. Freeman, you've been doing this for a while. What are some of the the types of stressors that you see within the FBI uh, population that that causes them to reach out. I'm sure there's a wide variety, but what, what's the what about the particular nature of the FBI that might cause people to experience uh, stress?
1: Um, in responding to your question, I would think the two things that came to mind that I think are really dear to my heart are the idea that we have a number of employees that have repeated exposure, and just trying to figure out how to engage those individuals early on and be proactive and to help reduce the stigma of seeking help. The other population I think that is really important that we target or begin to support early on are those that are involved in shooting incidents. Um, If we can engage them almost immediately after those incidents occur and develop the rapport and relationships and continue to provide support, I think it actually helps to support the individual. Also, it helps to relieve some of the impact of the organizational struggles that might occur in that process. So the idea of having that constant support and follow-up is, I believe, is very valuable. We do have those opportunities. I mean, we've come a long way. I've been in the Bureau for over two decades, and I know there's a lot of promotion of that we offer to share what we can do, but I feel like we're on the other spectrum of that. So now we're invited. We have the invitation instead of us initially asking or identifying that there's a concern and making a request for support. I think good work comes with repeated requests. And the idea that leadership will know to reach out to us organically when things happen is a wonderful sign. And I feel like we're making progress and we will continue to um, within the culture to see the value of helping um, the workforce. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That post the post shooting timeframe and, and on moving forward into the, the future career of that person is, is so critical and, and stressful. Um, you know, the, the FBI, and, and we certainly want them to investigates very thoroughly every agent involved shooting. So in, in, at a time when a an employee's going through this jarring experience, they mm-hmm. also, they also find themselves under scrutiny necessarily. Yes. So, and, that's an additional stressor as well. You use the phrase repeated exposure. And yes, there are job descriptions out there in the Bureau that would cause someone to be um, exposed repeatedly to, to things that could be scarring. What, what kind of categories do you see there? What, what, uh, what are the groups or, of, of, or teams of people that might, might be in repeated exposure?
1: So definitely the operational teams um, that are managed out of the lab division, specifically like the evidence response, the dive team, some of those teams that g- generally deploy because they have a special skill. And because of that special skill, then they're oftentimes called upon to deploy. So when I say re- repeated exposures, it it's, may not be um, the violation that they work always, but it could be a special skill that someone has Even if you think about the photographers, I mean, sometimes that is a forgotten position. They see crime scenes and they see the investigation from a very unique lens. I mean, literally a lens, but that is exposure that occurs.
0: Indeed. And speaking from my own personal experience, there was a a time period, uh, mercifully rather short, where I supervised the squad dedicated to crimes against children. And I, mm-hmm. I really found that to be some of the, the, the worst conduct humans were capable of. And I can't imagine being repeatedly exposed to that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm really grateful that you offer these services to, to folks like that. Hey, let's chill for a moment, as they say, to talk about Shudder. From AMC Networks, what's better on a chilly fall night than curling up in front of the TV for a great, scary movie? And Nobody has a better collection of horror, thriller, and the supernatural than Shudder, the best streaming service for horror. Shudder is the exclusive home for found footage hit VHS94, a Shudder original. Binge the latest seasons of Creepshow and Slasher, both exclusively on Shudder. Catch new episodes of Drag Competition Show, the Boulay Brothers' Dragula, and a new docuseries, Behind the Monsters, on the origins and pop culture dominance of your favorite modern movie monsters. New exclusives this month include Nicolas Cage in Prisoners of the Ghostland and killer shark movie, great white you can stream great thrillers horror and suspense for $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year Shudder has the largest fastest growing curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment it's been called the netflix for horror there are new supernatural terrors edge of your seat thrillers and shocking horrors added every week you'll have unlimited access to stream ad free on all your favorite devices. Shudder has a unique collection of exclusive and original films and series, horror, classics, and blockbuster hits. And you can stream on your iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, Xbox One, Amazon, Fire TV, Google, Chromecast, Roku, and Android devices. I checked out Nick Cage in Prisoners of the Ghostland and Elvira's 40th anniversary special. They were fun and scary at the same time time get started streaming the best horror thriller and supernatural content shutter's expertly curated collection includes must-see titles like vicious fun the mortuary collection and pg psycho gorman plus all the best horror documentaries and the hit creep show tv series from executive producer greg nicotero of the walking dead to try Shutter free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com and use promo code FRANK. That's shudde com promo code FRANK. Today we're also sponsored by Raycon Wireless Earbuds. It's never too early to start gift shopping for the holidays, especially because today you can save big on a gift they'll use every day raycon wireless earbuds chances are if you see me working out or just going for a walk i'm wearing my raycons with seamless bluetooth pairing and a comfortable noise isolating fit you can start listening right away and keep listening for hours the audio quality is amazing comparable to what you get from other premium brands except raycon starts at half the price the new everyday earbuds come with three new sound profiles to make sure Everything you're listening to sounds its best with just the right amount of bass. There's pure mode for podcasts, blues, and instrumentals. There's balanced mode for rock, heavy metal, and heavy rock. Bass mode for hip-hop, EDM, and reggae. Raycon offers eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. There's also a built-in mic, and you can take calls on your earbuds at the press of a button. So this holiday season, get them something They can use for calls or music, for work or play, at home or on the go. Or pick up a pair for yourself. Trust me, you're going to use them every day. Go to buyraycon.com slash frank today to unlock exclusive deals up to 20% off your Raycon order. But hurry, this offer is available for a limited time only. And you don't want to miss it. That's buyraycon, B-U-Y. R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash frank to unlock up to twenty percent off your raycons. Buy raycon.com slash frank. Now let's return to our guest. Let's talk about whether or not the services offered by the employee assistance program are limited just to the FBI employees or extend beyond those employees?
1: Certainly. So the services we offer are extended to employees, task force officers, and their immediate family members. Um, The services are confidential. It's short-term in nature, but we don't turn people away. Um, If people are motivated to get help, we will continue to provide support for them. But overall, it's primarily the employees, task force officers, and their immediate family members.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that the immediate family thing is, is a, an obvious need. You've got an employee coming to work every day and you want them to be the best they can be that day, that week, that year. And And if there's serious issues at home, that simply isn't going to happen. So it, it makes perfect sense to me to include that that immediate family. You mentioned... It's a mere reference to the chaplain program falling under the Employee Assistance Program. A lot of our listeners will not have realized that uh, there's a formal chaplain program in the FBI. Tell us about that.
1: Sure. The chaplain's program is a pretty unique program. Um, it's over 130 chaplains that volunteer their services, support the FBI. Most of them have had some uh, additional law enforcement experience or military experience serving in a chaplaincy role, but they are assigned to each division. Some divisions have multiple chaplains, chaplains to provide support, um, just depending on how large the AOR is. But in general, um, the chaplains are a complement of the services. And just for background, the I think it's a little the opposite. The chaplains started first and then EAP. Ah. And as a result of that, that's kind of how other things evolved So we had a peer program initially, and it was really focused on the alcohol and recovery. And um, there are some pioneers that have since left the Bureau, but have really focused on how do we help those employees that were struggling with alcohol and substance? well, alcohol misuse? And that kind of evolved the EAP program. And then at some point over some time, then it's evolved into the more broader perspective, more peers and requiring the coordinators to be in each division and then also having clinicians as well.
0: That's an interesting piece of of history that I was not aware of that that the chaplains started first before the formal EAP program. So let's, let's talk more about this. They, they much like the peer counselor program, these are ancillary duties. These chaplains have, have a a church or synagogue or mosque of of their own. They have a ministry of their own, but they come from the local territory the field offices and, and what they, they, They raise their hand? And then do they get some kind of orientation to the FBI?
1: They do. So they complete a background just like the Bureau employees. They have a top secret clearance. Um, They have full access to our network as well as an employee. They have access to the FBI net with the intent that they can read emails and get a sense of what's going on in those particular divisions um, as leadership is communicating to the workforce. They're totally engaged um, in that division. They are to provide a ministry of presence. Mm. That's what the theme is for the chaplain. Mm. While they may have various religious disciplines, the idea is that you serve in the role in a chaplaincy capacity to be able to foster that spiritual guidance to all employees
0: I like that phrase, ministry of presence, Uh, just being there for folks and and folks knowing, hey, I may only want to chat with this person once or twice a year, but I know where they are. I know where I can find them because they're they're here.
1: Can I add a quick pitch to that? So I think you did ask the question about how are we... Um, how do we recruit the chaplains? Yeah. Sometimes there's a need in the division and people begin to actually seek chaplains out. At other times, there may be a local law enforcement agency or department that we're working with, and um, there is that liaison that occurs among the two organizations, and we may recruit from that perspective. They learn about us having that need in the division. Mm. So it's a... It it happens in both ways. Either the chaplain themselves have an interest and seek us, or we may seek them out as well to fill that void in those prospective divisions.
0: And with regard to the nature of the program, um, obviously it's best when an employee makes his or her decision that, yes, I'm going to seek out some assistance, some help. But are there situations where a manager might be able to make a referral and say, I want you seeking assistance?
1: That is an option. While the employee assistance program is completely voluntary, um, there are options where a manager can make a management referral, either informal by just making that nudge or suggesting that they seek the support because they've observed things in the workplace or aware of things that they're struggling with. Or it could be a formal referral where it's actually documented in one um, letter, just basically stating that we've observed the following behaviors and encourage you to seek the support of the employee assistance unit. That can be done in just a general performance concern, and it can also be done if there is alcohol misuse or suspicion of alcohol misuse.
0: Got it. Thank you. So, Dr. Freeman, the FBI not only deals with kind of one-on-one case-related stress, but sometimes there are national news, global news, mass casualty events, or something so significant to a field office. For example, I'm thinking just several months ago, the the death, the line of duty deaths of two agents in Miami. There have been mass casualty events like 9-11 that seemingly would go beyond the, the resources available of EAP peer counselors in that specific field office. What happens in in such events? How how does headquarters get involved?
1: With any incident, the local team is the most valuable component of the process. They are there to give us an assessment of the the nature of what the needs might be. Um, They are able to gather details regarding the number of people that might be impacted, what resources might be needed, the level of exposure. All of that information and fact gathering is really helpful before we begin to formulate what the deployment might look like. Um, Once we gather that information, it actually helps us determine when we deploy who might be the best fit based on skill set, based on previous deployments and their talents. And that really helps us build the team to deploy to provide support. You said some pretty large-scale events in your example. If it's a huge event, our goal is to really rotate teams out. We may send people out in increments of weeks or two weeks and then already prepare to have that soft transition for people deploy out and provide support. The goal is that we are available to provide support to our workforce, specifically if it's an incident that requires more long standing support or operational need and be available. And this is not the only time we come. We may come at that point, but we also provide follow-up. That's the key. Once you go out, provide support, assess what the needs are, kind of look at the long-term impact that it may have, identify people that have been brought to our attention that might need a little additional i mean, additional support, and then constantly think about other times in which we could provide supports. Um, For example, like the anniversary of an event is really important. Um, Maybe looking at six months out, just to give people time to kind of deregulate the stress and just think about ways in which we can provide support.
0: Boy, good point on the anniversary dates. I think anybody that's lost a a significant other, a a colleague, a loved one knows those, those anniversary dates pop up and it's nice to have somebody there to talk you through that. Hey, let's break here for me to tell you about a supplement I've been using personally for about a year. I was looking for faster recovery from tougher workouts, especially since I'm not getting any younger. What I found on my own was true niacin. True niacin helps fuel the cells' energy engines, maintains cellular metabolism, and even supports heart health in combination with a healthy lifestyle. With 13 published human clinical studies and backed by Nobel Prize winners, True TruNiogen is a supplement that's clinically proven to boost NAD levels, an essential coenzyme required for cellular energy and repair. Since taking True niogen, I have more resiliency, and it helps my muscles recover after workouts. Whether you're an athlete, busy parent, or busy grandparent, True Niagen can be part of a lifestyle of healthy aging. Add more vitality to your life today with True Niagen. Right now, new customers can save 10% on their first purchase by going to trueniagen.com frank and use code frank. That's trueniagen.com frank, code frank, to save 10% on your first purchase True NiaGen. That's T R U N I A G E N dot com slash Frank, code Frank. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And this episode is also brought to you by Storyworth. If you're like me, you're always looking to give a gift that means something. A gift to loved ones that makes them feel special and unique, just like the relationship you share. That's why I'll be giving the gift of StoryWorth. It's an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. It's a thoughtful and meaningful gift that connects you to those who matter most. Every week, StoryWorth emails your relative or friend a thought-provoking question of your choice from their vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought to ask, like, what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or, if you could see into the future, what would you want to find out? After one year, StoryWorth will compile all your loved ones' stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book. That you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come this is a great gift for parents and grandparents aunts and uncles because it'll be passed down for generations of grandkids and great-grandchildren reading the weekly stories helps connect you with loved ones no matter how near or far apart you are you'll learn new things that'll connect you even more to that loved one with story worth I'm giving those I love a most thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to storyworth.com slash frank and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash frank to save $10 on your first purchase. Now, let's get back to our guest. Let's talk about the impact that the program has. And I know from my various times working at FBI headquarters, it's, there's a lot of discussion of metrics for success. And I always ask our guests, you know, mm-hmm. how, how do you measure your success? And for you, let's, let's hear about that. And, and I wonder um, if some of that is, hey, how many of our employees are availing themselves of the program?
1: Certainly. So we do keep data. Um, we actually maintain data on the trends on which people may seek our support. So we don't generally keep information and details regarding each person, but when they do come, we do track what is trending at the time. And I will say, I don't even know the time frame, but I would say definitely in the last five years, we've exceeded the um, national norms of over 17% utilization for the organization. So that is actually a good sign Mm. um, that people are utilizing the services despite the stigma and despite the resistance that people may have in seeking support, but the idea that people... Do realize that this is a resource and this resource is utilized
0: yeah i i I love that you're exceeding you know the the kind of national norm. I didn't even know there was a, a national kind of percentage to look at um and that's good to hear I think while some people might say, boy, that's a lot of people seeking assistance no that 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 is a good thing because the worst thing that could happen is I think people sticking their head in the sand, pretending everything's fine in a in an organization that is, as you said, repeatedly exposed to things that, that should be addressed. So that's great. I like
1: that positive perspective. I'm sorry for interrupting yeah, you, but no. I like that positive perspective. I think the idea that we can have a proactive component in this program and not always reactive, it offers a really great blend. And the idea that people are recognizing they're reaching their limits and taking advantage of the resources is an excellent process, so I am grateful that we have the resource, and it's pretty unique compared to some of the other organizations that don't have the internal EA program, EAP program, like we do.
0: Mm-hmm. And and what's on the horizon for the future of the bureau, looking at the employee holistically, their well-being? What's what do you see coming down the path that that might be uh, of interest?
1: I am very excited. Um, The Bureau is in a good place. The idea that wellness is the trending topic at the time, and the organization is trying to look at the life cycle of employees and how wellness can be supported from when people first come into the Bureau, mid-level, and then as they prepare to retire, what does that look like? Also, educating individuals to recognize the value of taking ownership of your own resiliency. While well, you come in the Bureau, and we all have our own stuff. Um, you get exposed in the Bureau in your operation. That is the level of exposure that you may experience. But ultimately, we have a responsibility. I think the organization is doing a great job of recognizing this and putting this as a tier and important strategic objective. The manager's needs are also important so they can offer an environment of safety so individuals can feel comfortable seeking and communicating to their managers if they're struggling, and then ultimately the employee taking that responsibility as well. And I, I hope I made myself clear. So I, I'm describing it as the organization, the managers, and then also the employee. All three have a major responsibility in making sure that um, we continue to reflect on wellness as a priority for the workforce.
0: And you know, I I can remember, of course, back to my academy days at at Quantico, and the 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 idea of physical fitness being instilled in all of us, and and it was more than just hey, you have to pass this test uh, several times to get through the academy. It was fitness is a part of a healthy lifestyle. And and, I, and for most agents, they carry that through their entire career. That's the physical fitness side of it. But what about the mental health side of that? And, and it may be starting planting that seed at the academy. What's, uh, what's being talked about there?
1: Certainly. So there are a number of wellness centers that are actually um, in the process of being created, there's going to be one in Huntsville and one at Quantico. And the key is that we include and mesh all of those components of wellness together so that you can receive it early on when you enter into the organization. And it can be an a initial reminder of the importance of blending all of those elements. So mind and body and spiritual um, components within wellness.
0: Mm, boy, that's that's uh, a key to, to stress management. Mitigating burnout, uh, particularly among uh, executives, senior executives, sounds like things are headed in the right direction.
1: This is an exciting time.
0: Yeah, I think that that if you're, you know, if I'm hearing you correctly, that the bureau is setting aside, it's always, you know, setting aside a, a line item in a budget, talking about staffing up wellness centers at least in a couple of places that a lot of employees pass through, uh, the academy in Quantico, Virginia, the the uh, Huntsville, Alabama, and, and the multiple discipline presence that the Bureau is growing there. Um, that's an awesome thing. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm excited with you to hear about that. Anything else uh, that we should know about, Dr. Freeman?
1: I did mention, I think early on, that we have an additional complement of clinicians that will support the program. And they are to um, support 13 field offices. So 13 licensed mental health professionals were added and we are now recruiting for those individuals and looking forward to the program growing and expanding our program. So that's actually exciting as well.
0: Oh, well, I listen, I'm glad you glad you, you got that in. I'm always uh, eager to help our listeners find a place at the FBI that might fit for them if, if they've got their own uh, mental health backgrounds, uh, professional uh, clinicians. Is this something they might find on FBI.gov in the jobs section?
1: Yes, it actually is. And for for this particular position, if you have two years post licensure operating as an independent clinician, this is an opportunity for you. It's a wonderful place to work. You have great opportunities to learn the mission of the organization. The people are awesome. And so um, the FBI family would welcome Someone with the talent and interest in working with law enforcement and have a diverse background in traumatic recovery um, within the clinical field. So, thank you for that plug. Yeah,
0: nothing would make me happier that, uh, than one of our listeners saying, "Hey, I I, I can do that," or "I know someone who, who can do that." That that would be awesome. We've been talking uh, this episode with Dr. Tarsha Freeman of the FBI's Employee Assistance Program. Tarsha, thank you not only for spending time with us today, but for everything your unit and your program does to support and have the backs of each and every FBI employee. Thanks for that.
1: Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Certainly. Thanks for listening to the season two finale of The Bureau with Frank Figlusi. We've got big things planned for next season as we cover more topics with a wider variety of guests from throughout the intelligence and security communities. They'll take us deep inside the Bureau and beyond.
1: The Bureau is written by Frank Fogluzzi and executive produced by Allison Gill, with sound design and editing by Molly Hockey, with podcast art design by Johanna Coxeter. Music for The Bureau is written and composed by Peter Rydberg. The Bureau is a proud member of MSW Media Network, a collection of independent, creator owned podcasts focused on news, politics, and justice. For more information, visit MSWmedia.com.